Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something you can take notes with this morning. Oh, man. Church is awesome. Oh, don't you love worshiping Jesus? It's so good. Don't you love hearing stories of salvation and baptism? Oh, man. I was crying just then. Go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 11. We get, oh. Mm, there we go. This is a new Bible, so I haven't learned how to use it quite yet. I was used to my other one. There we go. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11 is where we're going to be this morning. Anybody glad it's not freezing today? It's cold, but it's not freezing. We are uh, kicking off this new year with kind of a series of messages that we kicked off last week with this simple, this simple word we believe that God's speaking to us this year, bring me another jar out of that story, out of 2 Kings 4. If you weren't here last week, just go back and listen to it. I'm not going to do a whole recap. That's why we have YouTube and podcasts, so you can get like the full recap. Um, but basically, but what, what God is really calling us to this year is the same thing God's always calling everybody to, which is to bring him some time. Bring him some time, come to him, find empty space in our life, give it to the Lord, and let's get to know him more this year. That is the word of the Lord, and the reason I know it's the word of the Lord is because it's always the word of the Lord. That's an easy word to give. We're going to be continuing for a couple of weeks here, not sure how long, but we're going to kind of just be continuing this uh, idea and, and unpacking kind of what, what is it that God's calling us to? How do we walk out this word, bring me another jar? Last week, we specifically talked about our time and uh, we're going to continue this week with kind of part two of our Bring Me Another Jar series. You can put this at the top of your notes, sort of part two. Empty is not the end. We got to give you a title that basically preaches the whole message for you right there. All right, so we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 11. Go ahead and stand for the reading of the word of God. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 25. I just noticed this Bible isn't a red letter Bible. Take it back. It's not a good thing, not a bad thing. I'm just saying, I just noticed. All righty. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, like we've been worshiping this morning, and reminding ourselves that you are alive right here, right now. We thank you for being present with us, not because of anything we've done other than 
simply by virtue of us gathering in your name. We come in our weaknesses. We come in great need for you, Lord. You are our target audience this morning. Our songs were unto you. This time is unto you. And we listen to this message unto you. We give you our lives and we're asking for you to come and speak. Shape us by your word. Mold us. Make us into your disciples. We're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come in your mighty power. Lord, I'm asking for the ability to communicate your word to your people. Lord, I pray that we would all come like sheep to be fed by your great word this morning. Lord, I'm praying that we would be hungry. God, if anything else, just give us hunger for you right now. Give us hunger for you because you promise that when we hunger and thirst, we'll be filled. This whole year, Lord, we is about, you know, we're filled with so many things. We want to be filled with you. We want to be filled with you. Help us be hungry. Help us be thirsty. Give us that great gift right now, Holy Spirit. Wherever we're not hungry, wherever we're too prideful to hear your word, wherever we're too familiar with the rhythm of coming here to hear your word, wherever we are too familiar with these verses to receive your word, Lord, break through by your grace and mercy. Teach us to be open in our hearts and minds and soul and our strength, God, teach us. Teach us to be hungry for you, God. I'm asking for this church that we would be hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of Christ. I'm praying, God, that we would be oriented around your word and filled with your word this year. And I'm asking that you would use these few moments together to fill us with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and take a seat. You've probably read these verses before if you've spent much time around church or followed a Christian profile on Instagram. Probably seen this on a nice pretty background. And it's encouraging, right? Encouraging verses. You've probably been encouraged by this before. And, uh, you know, this is kind of one of those verses that gets used a lot. If you stick around church, if you stick around Christian folk, you're going to hear this one. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm so thankful that our Savior says that to us. I am thankful for that. I'm thankful that we might be familiar with these verses. And, but as we come to them this morning, I, I want to start us off and say, you know, it's easy to look at these scriptures and sort of think that this scripture is about rest, that, it, that it's all about rest. And I want to say this as we get started, that it is about rest, but rest isn't the point. It's about rest, but rest is not the point. So I'm going to zoom out before we zoom in this morning. Can you track with me for a few minutes here? We read the Bible to discover what God means when he says something. Not to discover what God said means to us. We're all growing and we're all learning what the Bible means. That's what we're here to do. We are here to learn what the Bible means, not to learn what the Bible means to me. So this is often a passage that gets talked about in terms of something along the line, or maybe, maybe, maybe you don't often do this or it hasn't often happened, but it could be easy to take this and sort of run with it with, you know, God wants to give me rest, and what that means to me is God wants to do X, Y, Z. 
But we don't read the Bible to decide what it means to us. So what I'm trying to say is, imagine if, imagine if you sent me to the grocery store to get some milk. So I went and got some cheese. Like, that's not what I said. And I was like, no, no, that is, that's what you said. You said to go get some cheese because you said go get some milk, but I wanted cheese. And milk and cheese are like both dairy. And right now I kind of feel like eating cheese more than I feel like drinking milk. So I got some cheese, just like you said, to go get some cheese. It's like, no, I said go get some milk. Like, yeah, but what that meant to me was go get some cheese. The word of God means what God means. And what we're trying to learn together is what does God mean? What does God mean in his word? Not what does this mean when I read it as your pastor? Not what do you think it means when you read it? The question is what does Jesus mean when he speaks? I want to know what, what God means. What does the Holy Spirit mean when he says something? God's word needs to mean to me what God's word means to God. That's what we're aiming for. The best place to start when trying to understand what exactly it is the Bible is saying when you read it is to make sure that you read and consider like the rest of the Bible. Thankfully, that's great. Your number one tool is right there with you. Usually the first sign that you might be on the road of deciding what the Bible means to you instead of being on the road to figuring out what the Bible means to God is that you decide what something in the Bible means without looking at anything else in the Bible. You tracking with me? The Bible is really good at interpreting itself. And so whenever you read the Bible and you're like, I wonder what this means, it's actually the Holy Spirit inviting you to read more of his word so you can understand more of his word. So it's not this like, Rat race, you know, it's like, it's all invitation. Like we always say around here, the system is rigged. You can't walk with Jesus without, without actually walking with him. He won't let you get away with it. Okay, so that was a little zoomed out. I hope that was helpful for you. It, it pertains to this morning, but I hope, I hope that helps you kind of, little, little pro Bible study tip for you, because I'm literally a trained professional. So I hope that kind of helps you set the framework, set the context, you know, hope that blesses you. Swipe up, like, and subscribe. Thanks for the support. Our verses this morning are about rest, but rest isn't the point. So what is the point? Be ready for that question? That's my question. So what, what, is, what is the point? What is the point? Let's go on a journey together. Verse 25 starts with this phrase. At that time, Jesus declared to them. So let's try to figure out if there's anything else happening at that time when Jesus declared to them. So let's just do the simple thing this morning. We're not going to go crazy and just stand up here and read the whole Bible to you. That would take a minute. But we are going to look at the verses right before these verses. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Oftentimes, a good first place to start when you're trying to figure out what else does the Bible say about this, just back up a few verses, and it's usually a good head start. Verse 20 says this, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. 
Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Hello. What happened to come to me and I will give you rest? Why don't they put that on the Instagram profile? <laughs> like that, you're not going to put that on a, like a picture of Sodom burning? So the context of verses 25 through 30, our scripture for this morning, what this shows us is that the context is that Jesus is, is reflecting on his ministry. He's reflecting on his recent ministry. We learned that recently he has been to several cities and he's been doing mighty works, revealing himself as the Christ. He's been doing all of these mighty works because he's saying to them, I am the Christ. I am the one who has come. That is what he is saying. That's what his mighty works mean, but that's not what his mighty works meant to them. They rejected him as the Christ instead of receiving him as the Christ. I don't know what his mighty works meant to them, but it didn't mean that. They didn't receive it. They, they rejected him. And so now Jesus speaks up and he's, he's clarifying the consequences of this decision to reject him. And, and what it meant, the consequences for rejecting him and rejecting what it meant for him to be the revelation of God. They rejected what it meant for him to be the revelation of God in favor of what they thought they wanted it to mean for God to come and reveal himself. I'm not sure what exactly they were looking for, but it clearly wasn't Jesus. So the weary and heavy laden that Jesus is speaking about in verse 28, it's not just those with a busy schedule or being stressed out. He's talking to those who have not repented and they have rejected him. The ones that Jesus says in verse 24, but I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. That's the weary and heavy laden Jesus is calling to. He's calling out to the weary who have forsaken the fountain of living water and are spending their lives hewing out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. He's calling out to those who are heavy laden, carrying the burden and the weight of judgment, the weight of condemnation, the weight of the wrath of God, the weight of their own sin, the burden of pride. Jesus is clearly, he's, he's denouncing those who will reject him and declaring to those who will listen, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
Jesus is declaring to us that it is the gracious will of God, that grace, that freedom from sin and freedom from the weight of the wrath of God is not something reserved for the wise and the understanding. Thank you, God. It is your gracious will that you have not reserved all of this. You haven't reserved this grace. You haven't reserved this revelation for the crypto experts and the politicians and the influencers and the PhDs and the philosophers and the experts. It is your gracious will, oh God, that this gospel, it is reserved for the little children. I was joking with Smith the other day in the car. I don't even remember what we were doing, but... Um, we were doing something, obviously. And I, I don't know what I was talking about, but I made some joke about something that was like a hundred bucks or you're going to owe me a hundred bucks. So you got to pay a hundred bucks for that thing that you want or something. And Smith, he just, he just says like, with no problem. He's like, I have no money. You have to pay. <laughs> the grace of God is reserved for the little children who understand. I have nothing. You have to pay. I have no ability. You have to pay. I need you, Jesus. I see your mighty works, and I repent. Because that's what you mean when you do these mighty works. That's what you mean is repent. So I, I, I repent. I have no merit. You have to give me grace. I have no strength. You have to renew my strength. I have no abilities. I, uh, my intellect, my emotions, my perspectives, my cuteness, the way you love me, my opinions, they're not enough. I just, I need the grace of God. None of that's an option for me. None of that is an option for me to pay this debt that I owe. None of, nothing I have in myself is an option for me to, to make myself new. To bring myself to you in an acceptable way to, to fill up this broken cistern of a life that I've hewed out for myself. This broken cistern that holds no water. Nothing that I have to give can satisfy the judgment and the wrath that I owe. You have to pay. It is not reserved for the childish. The careless. The flippant, the arrogant, the self-centered, the entitled. That, that's childish. Those are childish things. Those are, those are things that, 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 that is childish about children. That's okay, they're children. But it's not reserved for the childish. It's reserved for the childlike. The childlike, those who, like a child, come to God and they say, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. I need your gracious will. He continues on, all things, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Kind of another one of those verses that doesn't get thrown on the pretty looking slide because there's a lot to follow here. <laughs> all things have been handed over to me by my Father. What are all the things? All, all these things. What, what are these things that, that Jesus is talking about? Well, for one, like I said, if we just look at what he has just said, one of the things that's, one of the things that's clear is that one of all the things is the judgment of the world. 
That's what verse 20 and 24 is making very clear. Jesus is declaring as a judge, this is the situation. This is the verdict. The judgment of the world has been handed over to Jesus. John 5, 22 says this. Jesus says, for the father judges no one, but he has committed all judgment to the son. All these things, judgment of all things has been handed over to me by, by my father, says Jesus. So that's one of the things we know included in all of the things. But the second thing that's included, or a second thing we could say, that's included in all things, that the rest of the verse makes clear to us is that the knowledge of the Father and his gracious will has been handed over to Jesus. He said, all things have been handed over to me. All this judgment that I'm talking about, and then all things have been handed over to me. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Knowledge of the Father has been handed over to me, so I have it, and now I reveal it to anyone to whom I choose to reveal him. The two, at least two things that Jesus is talking about here that have been handed over to him is judgment of the world and knowledge of the Father. So that's kind of our first step in understanding what's being said in these verses. Let's, let's answer those first two words, all things. All things, judgment of the world and knowledge of the Father has been handed over to me by my Father. So what's he doing with all of these things? What's Jesus doing with all things? This verse tells us what, what Jesus is doing with everything that has been handed to him is that he is revealing all of them to those who will receive him as little children. All, all, all that Jesus is, all that he is, all that he's carrying, all that, the, all that the Father has given to him, it is reserved for the little children. And so what Jesus is doing is he's offering to us everything the Father has given him if we will receive him like little children. The core work of Jesus is not to empty you of your sin. Being empty is not the end. He's absolutely emptying you from your sin, but this is not, this is not the, core, the core work of Jesus. The core work of Jesus is to fill you with the knowledge of God. The work of Jesus is to reveal the Father. The work of Jesus is to adopt all the little children who will receive the revelation of the Father. One of the verses that, that, that affirms this, I think, so powerfully, John 17, 26, Jesus says this. He says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus is praying right before he gets arrested to go to the cross, and he hasn't even died Yet He hasn't even raised from the dead yet. And he says to the Father, I did everything you sent me to do. At least with this part. <laughs> I did everything. I, I revealed the Father. I showed the world who God is so that they might be filled with all these things. If they will come as little children, if they will empty themselves out, Confess their need for the gracious will of God, I will fill them. So let's catch up to where we are in our verses this morning. At that time, verse 25, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, 
Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me, the one who holds all revelation of and gives all revelation of the judgment of God, the grace of God, the kingdom of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the name of God, the image of God, the face of God, the will of God. Come to me. Come to me, I hold all revelation and I will give you all revelation if you will come to me. Come to me, come to me. See, revelation is the seed of the kingdom that Jesus sows into your life. Do you remember the parable of the sower? Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out to sow his seed. He didn't just say the kingdom of God is like a God who comes to die for your sins. That's true, 100% necessary, deal breaker, muy importante, gotta have, absolute must, don't make me say something I'm not saying, (laughs) Jesus and only Jesus, but the kingdom, the kingdom is like a farmer who went out to sow seed, and he says the seed is the word of the kingdom. It's the revelation of God. Jesus is sowing to the world and Chorazin turned it away and Bethsaida rejected it. And Tyre and Sidon said, no, we don't need it. And Jesus says, I'm sowing the revelation. All things have been handed over to me. No one knows the Father except me and those to whom I choose to reveal. And that's why I'm here. I chose all of you. I choose everybody. Sowing the seed everywhere. Do you remember the farmer from the parable? He's a mess. He's throwing the seed at everything and everybody. Jesus is going to the towns that receive him and the towns that don't. He's sowing the seed everywhere, revealing himself, doing mighty work, speaking the word, sowing the word of the kingdom, just throwing it everywhere. Jesus is sowing the revelation of God into you. He is throwing the revelation of God into you. He is giving you the revelation of God. The revelation of God is the seed of the kingdom. And when the seed of the revelation of God begins to take root and germinate and grow, you reap the fruit. Rest. Rest from laboring in your unbelief. Rest from carrying the heavy weight of judgment. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. You've probably heard some of this before, but I got a picture for you up on the screen talking about this yoke situation. So if you don't know, this is what a yoke looks like. And if you do know, this is what a yoke looks like. So we've got a yoke here. The yoke is the wooden part that connects the oxen together. And so this idea 
of, of taking my yoke upon you in, this, in an agricultural society where they don't have tractors. Bummer. How cool are tractors, by the way? Man. Anyways. They've got this, these oxen, and so when, when you're trying to put the oxen to work, oxen aren't helpful if they won't follow what you tell them to do. Amen? Ever heard bull in a china shop? You know, that's not what we're going for. <laughs> not what farmers are going for. So in order to farm and plow and, and make use of the oxen, they take a mature oxen who knows what farming's all about, who's done it before, who knows how this goes, who's real strong and experienced, and they take the young ox and they yoke it to the mature ox. If you look at that yoke, like it's made out of a very thick piece of wood. There's not a lot of flex in it. There's not a lot of give. Like, imagine yourself getting yoked to that ox. You're going where the ox goes. <laughs> you know, like, if you're like, we're going this way, and that ox says no, you are not going that way. It's not happening. And so the whole point is that we've got this young ox who's strong and powerful but doesn't know what he's doing. And so he's got to learn from the mature ox. And the mature ox is like, nope, this is how fast we go. Nope, this is the direction we go. Because an ox all by itself is not useful. An, uh, uh, an excited, strong ox that runs around a field isn't plowing anything. He's just stomping all over stuff. He's still tired at the end of the day, but he's got nothing done. And so you take the young ox and you yoke it to the mature ox so that this ox can learn how this work goes. The point isn't do no work. The point is let's do the right work the right way. Everybody say it with me. Work smarter, not harder. That's what the yoke is all about. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Be yoked to me. Be yoked to me. Do you want rest? You want rest? Be inflexibly bound to me. Complete, like bind yourself to me. There's no give. There's all the freedom in the world by having no freedom at all. <laughs> Submit to me is what he's saying. Submit to me. Come under me. Submit yourself to my ways, my understanding, my perspective, my leadership. I know you have ideas of how this is supposed to go, but I've been here before, said the mature ox. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you. Are you looking for rest for your soul this year? Are you looking for rest from the craziness of the life and the culture and the world and the ups and downs and the changes and everything that's going on? You're going to need to find some empty jars. You're going to need to make some empty time, but being empty is not the end. Being empty is not the end. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Make some empty time. Find some empty time, but that wasn't the win. Do something now with the empty jar. Do something now with the empty time. And that thing is come to Jesus. Come to him. Come to him and take his yoke upon you. Jesus says, come to me. Come to Jesus. Take his yoke upon you. Learn from Jesus. How many of you are writing that little down? I know you hear it all the time in church, but I'm telling you how to get rest for your souls this year. Come to Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Come to me. 
Learn from me, he says. Come to Jesus. Take his yoke upon you. Learn from Jesus. Learn, learn, learn. This is where the childlikeness comes into play. Learn. Don't come to church and read your Bible and then just go get back to everything the way you've always done it. Don't just check in with him to make sure the two of you are still cool, but then go back to doing things the way that you know how to do them. Don't build your faith based on who Jesus is to you. Come to Jesus and learn from him who he is. Learn. Come to Jesus ready to learn. Learn from Jesus so that you can know Jesus. For I am gentle and lowly at heart. Do you see where Jesus is trying to get you? He said, come to me, put my yoke on you. Like, this is a little weird. Put my yoke on you because I got to contain you. I got to keep you close. And what's going to happen now that you're yoked to me is you're going to start learning from me, which is great. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Now you're starting to learn. From, now you're starting to learn from me, but that's leading you somewhere. You've come to me. You've learned from me, and now you know me. You know I, I am gentle and lowly at heart. He doesn't say learn how to be gentle and lowly at heart necessarily. He's saying come and learn who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am, and when you know who I am, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. For my yoke, abiding in Jesus, knowing Jesus, being connected to Jesus, being bound to Jesus, submitting to Jesus is easy on you when you don't fight against it. When you fight against God, his yoke is not easy. Let's go ahead and throw that out there right now. <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to wear yourself out. And he's not going to move. <laughs> but when you come to him to take on his yoke and learn from him so that you can know him, the immovable yoke of fighting against God suddenly becomes easy. And his burden, his load, his work, his demands, his participation with him and his kingdom, the things, you need to get to, the things you need to get done for him, the things he's trying to get done through you, that burden is light. Take on the yoke of Jesus this year. Take on the yoke of Jesus this year. I want you to write this down. Surrender to the person of, of God. Surrender to the kingdom of God. Surrender to the will of God. Take his yoke on you. That is the yoke of Jesus. We're carrying this word this year about bring me another jar and it's about being empty. But it's empty is not the end. This passage is about rest, but the point is a revelation of Jesus. Jesus is inviting you to find empty moments this year. And instead of filling them yourself, come to him. Come to him and rest in those empty moments. Take on his yoke, learn from him, and know him by being filled with him. By being filled with him. There's a word for what I'm talking about right now, and that word is prayer. This is prayer. This is prayer. Prayer is the practice of being yoked to the person of God, the practice of being yoked to the kingdom of God, the practice of being yoked to the will of God. 
Prayer is the practice of being yoked to the person of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Being yoked to the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. And being yoked to the will of God. Your will be done. Praying without ceasing is being filled. Praying without ceasing is is about the continual surrender to the person of God, the continual surrender to the kingdom of God, the continual surrender to the will of God. This year is about finding empty time, but the point of this year is to get filled with God. So as we wrap up this morning, I wanna invite you this year to pray. I wanna invite you this year to pray. Yoke yourself to God. Find empty moments. Make empty time and then sit there. Take on his yoke. Come to him. You're like, Andrew, tell me how. No, you come and you learn from him. Learn from him. Know him. He wants to teach you. He's faithful to teach you. We've talked about this several times over the last two Sundays, but I specifically want to invite you into these first 40 days of prayer and fasting. We're a week in, but it's not too late. You can jump in. I wanna invite you to jump into these 40 days of prayer. This this 40 days of prayer is not about doing more things. This 40 days of prayer is about, as a church, saying, okay, Lord, we're starting off the year yoking ourselves to you. We're finding empty time, we're creating empty moments, and we are coming and we're here to learn from you. We're here to yoke ourselves to who you are, to your kingdom, and to your will. Every Sunday morning, we have a team of people praying 9 to 9.45. Every Saturday morning, we're having prayer from 9 to 10 a.m. here at church. And every weekday, one of our pastors is leading a prayer time from 12 to 1. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and learn from him. If you haven't jumped in already, I'm inviting you to find some time. Make some time to fast, except this Saturday. So jump in on Saturday. But I, I'm encouraging you, if you come on Sunday, fast breakfast. If you come on Saturday, fast breakfast. If you come during the week, fast lunch. Make some empty space. Make some empty time. Give yourself an empty stomach once a week for like six weeks and come to church and pray with the purpose of being filled by God. If you love prayer, I invite you to come. If you don't know how to pray, come. If you're scared to pray, Come. If you don't want to come, come. (laughs) Because you have time. Find it. Do you want the revelation Jesus has to give you? Find some time. Bring him another jar. Let him fill you. Find some time. Empty it out and come to Jesus. Come and learn from him. Come and know him. Come and find rest for your souls, not by being empty and having nothing to do, but by yoking yourself to the person of God, yoking yourself to his kingdom and yoking yourself to his will. I want you to stand as we close our time together this morning. We're gonna have our prayer team come up and be available if you need prayer for anything. 
before you leave church this morning. But as we close and spend these last few minutes together, we're gonna do a song that I don't think we've done it before. And so it might be new to you, but whether you come up for prayer or you stay where you are, I want us to take these few minutes and pray together, pray this song together. It might be new to you, might not be your favorite melody, none of that matters. Let's come to the Lord. Let's be led in prayer. Let's make this song our prayer this year. And then this week, come. Come and fill your time. Fill your time by bringing it to the Lord and letting him fill you with a revelation of who he is. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We do thank you for this time. And we do come to you right now with these moments that we do every week at the end of our service. But just because it's a rhythm doesn't mean that you can't move. And so we're asking, Lord, that you would come right now and you would show us empty time that we can give to you. We're praying that you would help us to be childlike in these few moments. That we would have the heart to just say, Father, you're good and I'm coming to you. So would you teach us to come and give ourselves to you that we might be filled in Jesus' name.